Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And there's no sense starting anywhere else except for Bobby Hurley. ASU has done what we have been clamoring for them to do. Bobby Hurley's got a big old contract. And if he doesn't leave by July 1, the buyout is massive. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. I mean, uh, needed to, you know, make a commitment. We, you, you've been on it before I was that, you know, we needed to make that move. And I certainly didn't disagree once you brought it up. Um, uh, so, yeah, I was, I was happy to see that news today. His salary, base salary is going to bump up to $2.1 million. Uh, and for me, the big piece of all of this is the retention bonus after year four. If he's still with the team, January 1 of 2022 – so four seasons from now, midway right. through that, he gets a million dollar bonus. Yeah, which yeah, no. which if you're wondering about Coach K timelines, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, uh, no amount of money in the world is going to stop him from taking a job if that's the job he wants to take. I mean, you know, we see this all the time with coaches, um, but it helps. You know, it, it doesn't prevent, you know, it's not going to stop the discussion. That was, you know, uh, I, I texted an, a friend of mine when I saw the news and said, well, I'm sure that, you know, that'll end all discussion of him leaving. It's not gonna, um, you know, it's still going to be rumored. Um, that's the price of success. But, you know, like I said, it, it helps at least and makes it, uh, you know, financially more rewarding for him to stay, which is really all you can do. He moves from being one of the lowest paid coaches in the conference to one of the highest and the certainly the highest paid coach to not make the NCAA tournament with the team. So, yes. yeah, well, hopefully that that will end uh, in the span of about seven or well, six or seven weeks, I believe, is selection day. Um, so hopefully that will come to an end soon. But, yeah, you know, it, it's a it's a good reward. He's got things going well. This has been a. You know, even though the conference season has not been a home run, um, you know, it's it's still been a good season. We're still ranked. We've been ranked higher than, you know, either of us have ever seen in our lifetimes, along with many ASU fans. Um, and we've got a chance to make the tournament and maybe make some noise. And as we've discussed, you know, the future looks bright, too. This doesn't appear on the surface right now to be a one-year wonder type of thing. So... You know, it, it's the right move to to go in with him, and with if you're of the mindset, as many many people are, you and I included, that the football program has a big old question mark over its coaching status. Um, it's nice to take away some of that question mark about basketball. Well, and to that end, the certainty or appearance of certainty that this provides not only helps with the current players and energizing the fan base and maintaining that momentum. But it's going to allow the recruiting, these verbal commits that we've gotten for every class after this one, mm-hmm. to feel a little more comfort. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good thing. You know, I don't think there's anybody who should argue against that. I, I mean, you know, unless you're, just, unless you're just one of those people who wants to be negative to be negative, which there are those. Um, but, I mean, this just makes sense. You know, he's done well. Um, I just read right before we started talking – Doug Haller's tweet that, you know, ASU ranks third in the Pac-12 in home attendance. Probably been a while since they've been able to say anything like that. Um, and and so, you know, it, it's been on-court success, which has led to off-court buzz, 
uh, you know, had people talking, had people wanting to buy, you know, ASU basketball gear, go to the games, um, you know, so he's a big reason for that. I mean, you know, you could argue the biggest reason for that, I would say. So he needs to be rewarded for it. I mean, the fact that they took down the signage to open up the, the top rows of seating mm-hmm. is huge. And that by itself is reason enough to give him the extension in the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, at, you know, uh, it never works this way. But um, the additional revenue you've made from putting an extra two or three thousand people in the stands that wouldn't have fit otherwise, ticket revenue, parking revenue, concessions. Put it right in his pocket. Now, I mean, again, that's uh, it's not going to work that way, but um, he's a big reason why they did that and why they're getting those type of crowds. Um, even with the you know somewhat struggles of the of the conference season, uh, you know, I think the attendance was still close to fourteen thousand on on uh, you know for Saturday's game. Um, so you know, it's it's remained pretty positive even as the real huge momentum has kind of slowed down. Yeah, speaking of that, ASU has fallen to four and five in the conference season. If you're looking for the positives, it's that Holder and Evans finally had a game where both were clicking. Yes, um, they did, and and uh, it, it's no coincidence that it was the um, it happened in the second half of that game, and it led to the most you know lopsided win that we've had in the conference season. You know, I mean, every game. Up until that one, I believe, has been played within a single-digit margin. Two of our losses are in overtime. Um, you know, every game's been close. We, you could argue we're not far, you know, from, from being 8-0. We're also not far from being 0-8 going into that Colorado game. We finally got one that after about 30 minutes, um, which was close, you know, we pulled away. We finally looked good. We looked more like the team we were in the non-conference season. And my hope is that it gives us something we can start to move forward with uh, tomorrow night and going going into the second half of the conference season. For the second half of the season, and we'll get into uh, the discussion that's going around the Pac-12 about changing the, the conference basketball schedule, which, mm-hmm. you know, to have everyone play both home and road against everyone, sort of like they yeah. did in the Pac-10 era, you know, yeah. it's adding two games, taking away two non-conference games. I think that's a great idea but me too but we've got nine games left we are the definition of average right now in conference at least in conference do you think that they will peak later and return to the you know the first two months of the season form or are we you know destined this team yeah yeah that's the you know that's the million dollar question i guess um I, I really am hopeful that what we saw in the last 10 minutes of that Colorado game is a, a corner turning. I, I, I believe I texted you after last weekend, you know, prior to the Utah-Colorado series, and I kind of felt this way, that it almost felt like we were still in hangover from that Arizona loss. You know, we had that great non-conference season. The Arizona game was so built up, huge, huge hype. And we played well, but we didn't play well enough to win. And we just kind of looked like we weren't, sharp after that and maybe again my hope is that that hangover came to an end we're going to get back to playing more like the team we were i mean it's not like we were blowing teams out in the non-conference season i mean we we got in a big hole against kansas we had to come back we got in a hole against xavier we had to come back you know so it's not like we look like you know we were unbeatable gonna go 30 and 0 but we certainly looked better than we had in conference play so far 
Absolutely true. So um, I hope so. I mean, that, that's the that's the ultimate answer. Is I hope so. You know, I hope that we can, um, you know, maybe go somewhere in the neighborhood of six and three or better in the second half, which would get us to ten and eight or better, and would make Selection Sunday a comfortable thing. Because if we continue on this pace and finish, you know, eight and ten. There's going to be some anxiety when we get to that Sunday, and I I don't want that, especially after such a good non-conference season. Yeah, I mean, it, one more split weekend, and we are out of the the top twenty-five. For the top sure. twenty-five, yes, yes. Um, and you know, this weekend, uh, Washington State's not very good, but Washington has been a pretty good team. They're five and three in the conference. They beat Kansas too, you know, right before we did. Um, so they're not a they're not an easy team this year. Um, They've been down the last few years, but they've, you know, gotten something going a little bit this year. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, we we need to start, you know, we need to get hot, basically. We need a, we need a run of, of, you know, maybe starting with the Colorado game, you know, win four or five in a row and just, just kind of, you know, put any doubt to rest. Because after we lost to Utah, you know, and we're struggling with Colorado, my mind is starting to think, okay, how bad can we be in conference and still make the tournament? Because... It's a legitimate question. I mean, we have a great non-conference resume, but we can't go, you know, six and twelve in the conference and get in. I don't think. No, uh, it's not a good enough conference to do that. So we've we've got to, that win against Colorado was a sigh of relief, and we need a few more for me to really breathe a big sigh. I mean, right now we are sixteen and five. I think that twenty-one wins before the conference tournament would be yes. Enough. Which would be nine and nine in yeah. the conference. Uh, I kind of thought that when we finished the non-conference season twelve and zero, you know, I was hoping for better. Obviously, I was hoping we could, you know, go twenty-five and five. But I kind of felt like we go nine and nine in the conference, we're safe. And I still think that our our win over Kansas, you know, continues to look good. Xavier is Xavier out. continues to look good. K State's been a pretty good team, not great, but a good win. Um, you know, there's there's enough on the resume in that non-conference season that a 500 record in conference should be enough. So let's talk briefly about the change in conference schedules. It's being floated out there. All of the coaches, at least publicly, who've commented on it think it's a good idea and say it's the way that basketball is going. Do you think this is an inevitability that we're going to have a 20-game basketball conference schedule? I mean, I I hope so. I I, I put it to the same thought I have about football and the Pac-12 was the first to go to nine games and the Big 12 and the Big 10 have now joined and I think they should all go to nine games I mean ultimately I think you should play your conference more more is better now do I think you know you should play a 30 game conference schedule and play zero non-conference games no but um you know that's the true test of where you rank and and yeah I, I hope so I think it probably will I think the ACC has gone to that now um and you know, I'm I'm more than fine with that. I feel like that's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that especially if you could get buy-in for every conference to do it. Right, um, right. Obviously, Which basketball is the problem is a- with football. We don't, we don't have it in football. You know, the ACC and the SEC play eight. And, you know, it might be no coincidence that the ACC and the SEC are the only conferences to have not been left out of the playoff. Because they, they basically they get a free win if they want to schedule it that way that the other three conferences don't. Now, you know, yeah, the SEC's got a great rep. They also can build their resume in November by pounding on, you know, Mercer or Georgia Southern or somebody like that. 
when the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the Big 12 are playing conference games. The other thing that's different between football and basketball is that in basketball, the minor conferences still have major players, the Gonzagas and St. Mary's. They do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a different discussion, but it is, it's an inequity about football. When you have this playoff and you say these five conferences are, are going to treat them equally, well, they, don't, they don't play equally. Um, you know, to, win, to go through the Pac-12 or Big Ten undefeated, you've got to win ten conference games. Nine in the regular season plus a conference title game. You don't have that in the SEC. And it's, it's only one game, but one game makes a big difference. I mean, ask, ask USC if they would have preferred to play, you know, a non-conference game over Washington State on a Friday night. And if they, you know, they probably would have. And they'd be at 11-1 and one and they would have made the playoffs. But they lost that game on a Friday night to Washington State, you know, and, and that makes a huge difference. Speaking of college football and changes, the Big 12 has put out a proposal, which, Matt, you have the specifics on better than I do. Some, yeah. I, I mean, I read uh, 40s, uh, wrote a compact, 40 wrote one yesterday, and I read it because Haller retweeted it, actually. I hadn't heard about it till then. Um, basically, the way I took it was a two-pronged proposal. One is removing any sort of ability for a school to restrict where a player goes, which I agree with. When, you know, when a scholarship is basically a one-year-at-a-time deal, who is, who's to give the school the right to say you can't go to this place? And also removes any sort of penalties if a coach leaves, which I, I, I have questions on how much they mean by that. Like, do they just mean head coach? Do they mean assistant? Um, but, you know, basically says, hey, if your coach leaves, you could transfer without having to sit out, without restriction on where you can go. I like that, too. I, you know, uh, as somebody who's been a staunch advocate of paying college athletes, giving players more power is certainly not something I'm going to be against. I like the idea in principle. I have concerns about how it would work in practice only in that coach leaves to take another job somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's now at the new school. Can he actively try to pull guys from his former school to this new yeah. school? Um, I mean, to me – and, and it's funny because uh, I just right before we talked, I watched the first segment of PTI from today. Wilbon said, you know, I like the rule, except I wouldn't allow him to follow. You know, I wouldn't allow players to follow the coach. I'm thinking, well, that that isn't. I mean, why? You know, like so. So once again, you're giving freedom, but restricting freedom. They I mean, in one breath, he says guys choose to play for a coach, not a school, but don't let them follow the coach. Why not? I mean, you still have scholarship limits. You only have eighty five. Um, and so if a coach wants to get a job and, and, you know, has that ability, I, I don't personally have a problem with it. Would it be, you know, awkward as a fan, uh, you know, let's say ASU, you know, probably not Herm Edwards, but let's say ASU's next coach is a young up and comer and he's got something good going and he gets a job coaching for, you know, Florida. And he says, Hey, uh, you guys are my 10 best guys. Follow me to Florida. Would that suck as an ASU fan? It would. But, you know, as somebody who thinks players ought to have a little more power than they do, I have a hard time arguing against it. I agree, but but it also leads to the question of what do you do with Florida? I suppose you just don't have a recruiting class then and you can just- uh, Yeah, I mean again, you'd have to make that choice. That's the thing. You know, you you're gonna inherit a team, but that's here's the other thing. You know, yeah, you could go you know, or you can just go to ten guys and say, you know what, I'm not renewing your scholarship. That happens anyway. <laughs> I mean that's the that's the downside, and that's why I like this proposed change, because 
you know, the school has the power to say, get out. But a player can't have the power to say, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, leaving. I'm, I'm reticent to have college sports become, you know, full free agency. But at the same time, why am I reticent? I mean, you know, this isn't a coaching change, but look at a guy, you, you know, I've talked about this guy a lot. You know, I like him. A guy like Jacob Eason. Why can't he go play somewhere next year? I mean, what, what would be so wrong with that? Uh, you know, he, he was at Georgia. He got hurt. Another guy took over, played really well. They made the national title game. Why does he have to sit out? We don't make a coach do that. He could just go. Jimbo Fisher could just abandon Florida State with one game left in the year and get paid $75 million and all good. But a player can't. Yeah, no, I mean, I hear you. I guess it to me it's a fundamental shifting. And, and it, it, is. it begs the question for me of, can you trade guys then? I mean, it, it, it is without a doubt a fundamental shifting, and I think that's why we're we're sort of uncomfortable by it. And I'll admit, you know, I think about it and I think, it doesn't, but, it, but to me, then I, it's one of those where I think, well, why am I uncomfortable with it? Why does that seem wrong? I can't come up with a good reason except to say, this is how it's been. And as I've argued before, if that's your best reason for arguing for something, it's not a very good reason. You know, I said that about the bowl games in a, in a college football playoff. I said it about paying college athletes. If your only argument is, well, you know, this is how we've done it before, it's not a good enough reason. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it would work, trades, free agency type of thing. I, I don't know. Um, but do I, in general, think that, you know, a player, an athlete should have more power over his career and destination than what they have now i do i think i can pinpoint my fear and it's something that you can't really account for other than you make a rule and try to catch people if they break it but it's tampering that's my fear yeah is the is the suggestion of okay florida state players your coach just left I'm going to call you now yeah. to see if you'll come it, with. Not even so much, and, not even so much, you know, if Fisher said, hey, look, I'm really sorry I left right. you, but I want you, you, and you to come with me. Right. But the idea of Nick Saban calling and saying, yeah. oh, hey, yeah. um, come on over. you can leave which, now and I've got a spot for you. Sure, which I believe we're already somewhat doing when it comes to the grad transfer rule. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, Alabama needed a kicker and who did they go get? The Temple kid who graduated. I'm sure Nick Saban or somebody at Alabama called and said, hey, we need a kicker. Yeah, want to think about leaving Temple and come kick for us? Um, you know, and who's going to say no to that? Are you going to kick for Temple for a year? Are you going to maybe kick for the SEC, you know, favorite national championship contender? You're going to go there. Um, so I think we're already kind of there. Now, you're right. I mean, where does, where do you draw the line? Can you? Can you leave midseason? I mean, that would be another question. You're, you know, your team gets off to a two and four start, and you know somebody's got five open scholarships, and oh, they, you know, they're six and zero. Oh, hey, I'm going there, and I'm just going to pick up and move. I don't know. I, I don't know where you draw the line, but I do think I like the idea behind it. Smarter people than me need to figure out how it all can work, but the general idea I think is good because I think it is reprehensible that a kid can transfer, but then the school that basically says we don't want you anymore can say, well, but you can't go here. Here's 10 places you can't go. I agree with that. I think that part of the rule makes sense. If, yes. if the, if 
under under the current structure of rules, if you have the opportunity to leave, I don't think it's fair to have it restrained. Yes, yes, I think I think we're probably mostly agreed on that. I, there'd be some coaches in schools who probably don't agree. Um, power brokers that won't like it, but yeah, how does it work with you know free movement? I, I guess I don't know, um, but it does strike me as wrong that you know a Jimbo Fisher. And I hate to use him as an example. I mean, I don't dislike him. You know, he had the opportunity to make a ton of money, and he took it. Um, but he could just leave. Whereas anybody from Florida State that played for him, that maybe signed up to play for him, or one of the assistants that he took with him, has to, you know, well, if you want to go with him or if you want to go somewhere else, you got to sit out a year. That just doesn't seem right to me. I think that there might be something to the idea of when you commit, if you say, I committed because of, and you can list two coaches, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's again, like I said, when we were first, you know, talking about it, my question is what if, what if you can mean, you know, you know, most, most kids are not recruited by the head coach. They're recruited by a position coach, maybe a coordinator. Um, you know, so like when Mike Norvell left, you know, he was a big recruiter for us. He, you know, he was probably a guy who was you know, big reason why several kids signed here. He left to get a head coaching job. So were you going to open that up? You gonna let people follow him? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where the line is drawn, but you know, it's it's an interesting idea, if nothing else. So let's talk about football on the professional stage. Yeah. Um, before we get into the Super Bowl and whatever that conversation will lead to, uh, Alex Smith was traded to Washington by the Chiefs, ushering in the Pat Mahomes era. Yep. And this is the first domino in a series of quarterback dominoes this yes. season. Yes. One that uh, I think is a bit unexpected. Not necessarily unexpected that the Redskins would move on from Cousins, but I think, you know, most most had them going for maybe a rookie. Um, you know, not getting another veteran, certainly not getting one who was four years older, and that they're paying probably about 80 to 90% of what Cousins is going to make. Um, I find it kind of strange, but you know, yeah, it, it, it kind of answers the question for us. Will cousins be back in, in with the Redskins? Probably not. Yeah. You know, Washington made the decision that they were not going to go with him. And that I think could be bad for him. There are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, but yeah. when we were texting last night, you can conv- you you convinced me otherwise because there's enough teams that need quarterbacks. I'm yeah, just, I'm just looking mean, at it this way: it's expensive, and it's going to cost more money for a bunch of other teams. The Packers, the you know, sure. everyone's going to have to pay more for their quarterbacks because sure. Cousins will set the market. But you know, I I in my head, Kirk Cousins isn't Aaron Rodgers. No, I he's agree. He's not, you know, he's not at that elite level. So, wouldn't you, if you're these teams, take the lesson of the Seahawks and say, "Well, can't I, can't I do this with, you know, Allen, or can I do this with Darnold yeah, or Rosen?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and some will because again, there's only one of him available. Um, I think teams tend to prefer the veteran. Generally, um, drafting a rookie, you know, can be a painstaking process. Sometimes it works great right away, like Seattle. 
you know, and you get the super second year, you win a Super Bowl. But other times, it's it's a haul, and you got to get through some tough times. And it, you know, if you bring in Kirk Cousins and your Denver, for example, you know they've already been through a couple of rough years since they won the Super Bowl this year, particularly rough. They may not have the stomach to draft a rookie and go with a slow, you know, uh, wait two or three years till he's ready to go. It's more palatable to say, hey, you know, we're going to bring in Kirk Cousins. We got this really good defense still, and we're a playoff contender next year. So I think there's enough places that will be interested in him. And, and from my perspective, I don't think he and Washington ever were a good marriage. I think, you know, he was always the second choice behind RG3. Um, and he knew it and they knew it. And, and I think, you know, it's, I think he's probably delighted today. If I, if, if I was, you know, advising him, I'd say, man, I'm, I'm thrilled because I'm going to get that money. I'm going to get out of the Redskins organization, which is kind of a mess. And I'm going to go somewhere where they want me and they're going to, they're going to, you know, marry me and not just string me along with a extended courtship. Yeah. Although a lucrative one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was, it was no doubt. And they, they paid him well. But I think, you know, I read that ESPN magazine story about him that came out, you know, around the middle of the season. And, and it basically, you know, made it clear that he was never the favorite son there. You know, he, he went, they needed him. He was, he was the guy they needed and not the guy they wanted. And, and uh, they wanted RG3. That didn't work out. Um, and, and I just don't think they ever really put their arms around him like he was hoping they would. I suppose that's true. So, I, I mean, in my mind, for him, it's a good situation. There's, you know, there's teams with a ton of money like Cleveland uh, and the Jets. And then there's teams that are good, like Jacksonville, Minnesota, perhaps Denver, even though they didn't have a good year, that you could go to and right away be on a pretty good team. Minnesota's got parts of three quarterbacks, though. Well, they don't have any under contract, though. That's <laughs> the thing. Um, Minnesota's a fascinating subplot because – if they choose to bring back one or two of those guys, or if they don't, I mean, and maybe they will, you know, I don't know if they'll go in for cousins. It appears today, at least that Jacksonville's going to stick with Bortles, but I feel like that's one of those wait and see until they actually do it. Um, Cause if I'm, if I'm either one of those teams, I'm at least gauging interest. I mean, I can't, I agree with you. Cousins is not Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but I do think he's, he could be as good as, you know, a, a Matt Stafford, a Derek Carr, uh, a Joe Flacco. Well, and, uh, and the teams Ryan, that you mentioned, those type of guys. you know, they are championship weekend teams. They are. So that, you know, I think it's safe to say they are not an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady away. They they could be only a right. Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford yeah, away. They got there with a, with a, an average quarterback, let's be honest. Blake Bortles and Case Keenum had. Decent years, but they're average quarterbacks. Well, and, and, and Case Keenum you know, played really, you know, above his head. He did. And, he did. And that made him an average quarterback. Right, right. You know, and, and so with a with a better quarterback, and I think Cousins is, is a top half of the league quarterback. Uh, you know, I think that's fair to say. Um, that I would, yeah, I would take that chance. Now, you know, by doing that, you have to pay him a lot. Because again, the you know the Browns or the Jets or somebody like that, they could they could come in with a ton of cash. So you're you know you're not going to pay him um, like he's a top half of the league quarterback. You're going to pay him like he's the best quarterback in the NFL because that's just how it works. Derek Carr got the biggest contract ever, then Matt Stafford got it, 
now it'll be cousins, then somebody else will get it. That's how the market goes. Um, and so that's the, that's the thing you have to wonder if you can stomach. If you're Minnesota, do you want to pay that much money? Do you think he is the missing piece to winning a Super Bowl? I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, and the rest of the, you know, roulette that comes with that i think everyone's yeah. pretty sure garoppolo will be back with the niners but yeah you know yeah, i, I yeah. do I mean, you think do you think there's a chance cousins goes there i don't i mean not unless you know garoppolo somehow falls apart on them but i don't think that's gonna happen i, I mean if there's a few teams that could throw in things into a little bit of an uproar if, if you know if the easy you know everybody's happy sort of contract negotiation between the saints and drew Brees goes off the track. Things change. Everybody seems like they're singing Kumbaya right now. They're going to be back, but you never know if somebody gets their feelings hurt. Um, if you know, the giants decide to move on to me like Manning again, everybody's saying the right thing right now, but who knows that's where things get more uncertain. Um, same for the Niners and Garoppolo, but I, I ultimately, I think it seems like all those are going to stay where they are which means there's only a few empty chairs. Um, probably, you know, the ones we've talked about, Browns, Jets, Bills. We haven't talked about the Bills, but the Bills probably have an opening. Uh, Cardinals, uh, you know, Jaguars, Vikings, maybe, and Broncos. Those seem like the seven teams that are reasonably, you can assume, they're going to find someone new. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Yeah, yeah, it will. You know, but, yeah, there'll be some moving parts, obviously, and that keeps it interesting. And but draft will be interesting too. We're not there yet. Probably no. going in the first round. We're not. We are not. Although it feels like we are. Uh, uh, I mean, feels that way to me. Uh, is this the least excited you've been for a Super Bowl in the while? It, it is for me. You know, it, it's it's. Um, it, I was thinking this morning. It's a little bit hard for me to compare because the last you know six years I was working in the NFL and so I was having to do media clips and I was having to you felt immersed by it but I feel like this Super Bowl it, it not only is not that exciting for me personally but I just feel like it's kind of a yawner like there's not a lot of coverage about it I uh, you know I've watched um, you know I watched PTI today and none of the first five stories even talked about the Super Bowl and we're four days away I, I mean, it's kind of, you know, there was James Harden, 60 points, which we should note, James Harden, ASU alum, history-making triple-double last night. Um, there was Kevin Love's broken hand. There was the Big 12 transfer rule. There was no talk of the Super Bowl. So it's just kind of a, it's one that feels like hard to get excited about for one reason or another. I'm finding myself very unenthused about it. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. It, part of it may well be that I just kind of assume this is going to be a, a Patriots win and it's going to be. Well, more, and I think that's that's a big part of it for me, too. Uh, right. you know, and, It'll be more interesting the, if it's not. But it's, yeah, you know, but yeah. in the buildup, I, you know, OK, somebody yeah. bet a million dollars on the Eagles. Right. But I don't right. know if I they mean, took the spread or the money line. And, that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I, I think, I mean, I'll admit for me. If Carson Wentz was starting for the Eagles, I would feel differently because I like Carson Wentz. I've followed him since he was at North Dakota State. Um, you know, having it be Nick Foles just doesn't do it for me. Um, and and so there's there's just kind of a like I'm rooting for the Eagles because I like the Eagles. I was an Eagles fan when Donovan McNabb was there. And, 
I still, you know, I still liked him, but it feels hollow. It, it just, you know, now if I was a diehard Eagles fan, I'd feel different, obviously. But to me, it just sort of feels like I, I feel robbed that it's not Carson Wentz. I mean, it, it would feel totally different if he was still playing. Yeah, and and Doug Peterson. While I enjoy the story that Favre's going to address the Eagles, yeah, I, I don't. That doesn't move the needle a lot. <laughs> no, for me. it's just it's been. I, I think I read last night. You know, Peter King wrote a thing about the Smith trade, and he, you know, the intro was kind of like you know, uh, happened in the middle of a sleepy Super Bowl week, and it it feels that way. It just sort of feels like a game without a lot of build up or or hysteria. Uh, and, and I think a lot of it is probably due to Patriots fatigue. I don't know about you. I mean, just it's anecdotal, but I've talked to people I work with. I've talked to friends. I've talked to people, you know, uh, the waitress at the restaurant I went to over the weekend, and I was wearing an Eagles T-shirt. And the constant theme I get is, God, when are the Patriots going to go away? And these are people, some of whom don't even care about football. But that's the, you know, uh, you know Patriots won again. I think there is a fatigue about the Patriots that is just set in and people are just kind of like, oh, them again? All right. I think it's the combination of the Patriots and this is a cold-weather Super Bowl that's not New York City. So, that's true. That's know, true. The Twin the, Cities the has a lot. Is, there's good food. There, there's yeah. the river. Like, I'm not knocking the Twin but Cities. But they've been there before. I mean, they've, they've been to the – you know, they haven't been in a stadium, but they were there in, in 92, I think it was, for the Redskins and the Bills. Um you know, so they've been to Minnesota before, and it's an indoor game. It's cold outside, but it's not going to be cold for the game. Um, so it's it's uh, yeah, it's just a weird one. You know, I I just feel like you know the comparison has been made a lot this week because we're lazy and this is all we can think of. Of you know Brady and Jordan, the Patriots don't feel like the Bulls to me. The Bulls move the needle. I mean, you, you know, if you hated the Bulls, you'd love the Bulls. You still it was like you know you couldn't help but notice Jordan. Brady's not Jordan. He might be as good of, as him when it comes to his sport, but he's not Michael Jordan. He's not a transcendent type of figure. Um, well, no one's clamoring for the, the Tom Brady uh, movie stuff. True. You know? or, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, what was the big, you know, be like Mike. Kids kids don't want to be like Tom Brady unless you're a Patriots fan. <laughs> like, you know, it's just it's not, it's not, not to knock Tom Brady, but it's just the truth. And so I just feel like there is there is a fatigue. I mean, I, again, my, my boss at work doesn't know anything about football. And I talked to her on the Monday after the championship game. He's like, you know, ah, the Patriots won again. It's time for them to go away. I mean, and I'm like, she's not even a football fan. But that just feels like that's the general feeling, unless you're a Patriots fan, like, oh, God, them again? Yeah. And I feel – I feel that. Uh, you know, I – And there's nothing that can be done. I mean, you know, it's not like the yeah. NFL can. No, they just have them to get the postseason. They have to. They do. You know, they do. Uh, but it just—it feels like we're, you know, the the law of you know sports and time is is that their time's supposed to be over by now, and it's not. And and it's like you know, when are they going away? I mean, I feel it as as somebody who does not like them. You know, if you had told me ten years ago when they lost to the Giants. That you know, Belichick and Brady would still be together and still be in the Super Bowl ten years later. I thought, no way, their time is up by then. They they don't have that many more opportunities, but they're still here. They won't go away. Yeah, but I think it also leads to there's nothing. I mean, Patriots fans, it's great, and I'm sure they love it. But there's no, it's not 
a special story that they've made it. No, it's not. And, and, on, that, the, and yeah. on the flip side, as someone who hates, you know, them or, you know, at a certain point you, it, it just isn't worth it anymore. Like, no. you know, no, I know. I mean, they're not a, I don't feel now again, if you're a Pats fan, it's different. I don't feel they're an embraceable team. You know, Belichick is such a curmudgeon and, and Brady, you know, he's doing everything he can to present himself as some sort of health icon, but he's not an embraceable guy. They have a number of, you know, whether you agree with it or not, they have a number of cheating scandals that follow them. They, they so do, and like they're, you know, they have off-field issues. Per- they do. The, the personal issues, and the, they're, you know, I think part of the Belichick issue is not just that he's a curmudgeon, but he's not a likable personality. Like, no. like Popovich is a curmudgeon, right. but Popovich right. is a likable curmudgeon. He is. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, he's just boring. He, I mean, he's great at being boring, but he's boring. Um, and, I mean, you compare, it's easy to compare, you know, them to Alabama because Alabama's been good for a long time and Saban is kind of a Belichick clone. But the difference is Alabama's players change. So, you know, even though Alabama's good every year, you know, the players are different. And you've got, you know, a, an exciting story like this Tonga Bailoa kid or, or you know, Derrick Henry went in the high. You know, so there's something new to latch on to. Even though it's still Alabama, you don't get as much fatigue because, you know, yeah, it's Saban, but everything else changes. Um, and that's not the – I mean, yeah, the Patriots have changed players, but it doesn't feel like they have. I mean, if it, you know, it's Brady and it's Belichick and then it's a cast of white wide receivers – and it's like you're just seeing the same movie year after year after year. Yeah. It's so boring. I, I, just think and, there's, and, I just think there's a fatigue. I really do. I think uh, I felt it this year. And, and the AFC has just – it's not risen to the occasion. I mean, since Peyton Manning left, it's like who's there to fill the gap? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's boring – it is expected. Yeah. If it, again, was a, I mean, if it was a story, it would be, you know, just the the most basic, bland, yeah, uneventful. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the stories that are coming out this week are, you know, is Gronkowski at the end of right. his line because of all of the dings and dents, you know, uh, is the hardest part for the Eagles defense going to be the non-receiver receiving threats? It's like, didn't we do this? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's the thing is the the Eagles are kind of a starless team because there's no Wentz. Um, you know, they they have some nice stories: Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins, Nick Foles, you know, uh, Jay Ajayi. But there's nobody for the a- average casual fan to really put their arms around. And, and the Patriots have been there and done that. And it's like, you know, yeah, some, some faces change, but the, the main ones haven't. It's, it's Brady, and he's won a bunch of Super Bowls. We've heard that before. It's Belichick, and he's done the same. It's Gronkowski, and he's a, you know, goofy moron who gets hurt all the time. But he's really good. Okay. You know, we've, we've told that story, so what, is, what else is there to say? And they don't provide anything. And that's, I mean, that's to their credit, they provide no ammunition. They don't say anything interesting. They don't do anything interesting. I mean, have you, do you remember a less interesting Super Bowl media day or media night than this one? I heard nothing coming out of that. No. It, one of the Eagles players wore a luchador mask. That's it. Yes. Yes. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's just 
it's kind of boring. And again, I think the other thing, you know, the Eagles don't have a lot of guys to latch on to. Um, you know, there's the story of Philly trying to get their first Super Bowl, and that would be cool, but that doesn't have the, like, you know, Cubs going for the World Series type of feel to it. Yeah, or, it's or not Cleveland trying to win a title. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, yeah, the Eagles have never won a Super Bowl, but the Phillies won a World Series 10 years ago. Uh, the Sixers have won NBA titles. Villanova, the National have won Stanley Champions. Cups. Villanova, yeah. I mean, Phillies had their share of sports success, even though it hasn't been the Eagles. Um, so, you know, they don't feel like it's not like Cleveland trying to end a, you know, 50 year drought or something like that. It just doesn't have that feel. I mean, again, if you're a diehard Eagle fan or a diehard Patriots fan, you probably feel differently about this game. But I think other than that, it's, it's a hard one to get into. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it because it's a Super Bowl, but it's not one that I'm particularly excited to watch. Yeah. I will, uh, I will catch the commercials on YouTube. I'm sure, but <laughs> are you not going to watch the game? I'll watch it, but I'm not excited. Uh, okay. I'm going to, you no, know, I'm not if there's, if HBO has got something good on, I'll be flipping. Cause I'm, <laughs> you know, especially in the first half, if the game's not good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, if it's, if, if the, you know, Patriots are up by you know 20 points at the half, I will probably be passing on the second half. Yeah. Same. I, you know, I just, I, I, I think part of it for me is just the Packers missed the playoffs, so I've kind yeah. of moved past it. The Brewers had big moves, so yeah. I yeah. You know, I got to embrace that. I, I put down my uh, Brewer ticket money today so that there I can get my 10-game okay. pack. And Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm more excited for, you know, the schedule release and the draft. And I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of, of one team like you are, but um, – this was kind of a strange year that, you know, the, the players that I follow closely were either injured or didn't play well or didn't make the playoffs. There, there wasn't a lot for me to really latch on to even when the playoffs started. And by the time we got to championship weekend, there was very little. Um, and I, you know, I watched the Jags pass. It was a good game. I had a hard time staying interested in that NFC title game, even before it became a route. Like I, I had it on, but I just wasn't that into it. Um, and I feel like that'll be, maybe be the same. Now, if the Pats are down, I'll get excited because I hate them, and hopefully they'll lose. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's just hard for me to get. I, I've kind of to me, it felt like you know football season ended when Alabama beat Georgia, and now I'm I'm ready to get into the off season stuff and and get toward 2018. Yeah, yeah, I I feel much the same. But uh, we had to talk about it because it's there. Uh, there will be ASU football talk signing days coming. And, uh, in addition to that, you know, there's the daily Herm Edwards inspirational (laughs) dear ASU football players tweet that, uh, yes, yes, I get, I, you know, it's worth noting that it happens. I don't, I don't know if this is an effective thing for the team or who, you know, I assume that's who it's for, but, uh, you know. I, I kind of prefer the uh, boom, we just got better tweets and not the daily inspirational. Yeah. 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 I know. I know. It's, it's different. It's going to stay different, I guess. Yeah. Look, it's Bobby Hurley's town and uh, we all just need yeah. to embrace that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, you know, hopefully there's a lot to stay excited about with basketball because like we said at the start of this, 
I mean, I'm excited for football. I sent you the, you know, tweet a couple yesterday or the day before with the announcement of, of practice days, but I'm more excited because it's football than like, oh, I can't wait for this 2018 ASU season. We are going to tear it up. I'm not, not quite feeling that way. Yeah, I'm more in the, uh, huh, is this going to be a train wreck? Should I? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, 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 yeah, it's ASU football. They only play 12 games. Hopefully more, but, you know, so it's exciting because, you know, you only get six or seven at home. I'm excited for that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not a not a season that feels like it's going to be a big one. It's just more it's like, yeah, I'm excited for ASU football. That sounds cool. Yeah. Michigan State's coming, you know, Stanford's coming. I'm, I'm excited for that. But am I, like, you know, counting down the days until we make a Rose Bowl run? Not really. I mean, I don't really have a set time for that. Uh, it's more just a, a hope projected into the future. Right, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm not counting them down for 2018, let's put it that way. Yeah. Perhaps in the, uh, I don't know, the, the Norvell return era? <laughs> yeah, or, uh, yeah. or will we let Bobby Hurley coach football, football team? basketball, yeah, yeah. No, I, who knows? Who knows where the... Where the future's going with that program um we shall see it'll be fun to see the stadium completed that is kind of cool and uh just see where it goes uh, you know it, it will it will be interesting i guess regardless yeah well i think that covers it we we've touched on a lot uh we'll do this again we'll do the super bowl recap we'll talk about National Signing Day and whatever insights we're able to glean from free resources about that because yes. <laughs> I'm not paying Correct. to find out more than ESPN Insider and they basically no. just tell me uh, right after something happens how they feel about it, which right. is almost certainly how I also feel about it. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.